Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity and schut, particularly on Yom Yerushalayim, to share a little bit of Torah Yerushalayim. After all, when Yeshayahu quotes the Goyim, who say, there explains, ain't Torah. There's no Torah, like the Torah that's taught in Yerushalayim, the clarity, the inspiration that we're all meant to feel. And therefore, it really is a wonderful schut to have this opportunity to join Yeshiva University in sharing Torah Yerushalayim. I'm actually, ironically, in, uh, in Tinek right now and celebrating Yom Yerushalayim and uh, trying to uh, share a little bit of that Torah. So this is a wonderful platform in which to uh, introduce ourselves and basically re-engage with David HaMelech and Abraham Avinu in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. So let's get started as we take a look at some of the Makorot that are going to help us understand the significance of what it means that these two are meeting one another in Yerushalayim, Abraham and David HaMelech. So as we take a look, and a beginning, as I scroll back to the very top, and let's take a look at the basis for what Yerushalayim is. We're going to start with the famous Midrash that begins with the 70 names of Yerushalayim. Some of the names that we're familiar with of Ariel, Ir David, Yefeinof, Mesos Kola Aret, Hartzion, Erketetzafon, Kiryat Melech Rav. But we all know that more than any other name, albeit it's not once mentioned, as we go back to the Midrash, Interestingly, Chazal tell us that what must have happened, Hashem said, Abraham is a tzaddik, and if I call the name based on shame, based on shalem, then Abraham, Adam tzaddik mitraim, then Abraham is going to be very insulted. But then again, if I call the name based on, on shame, if I call it just shalem, then Abraham Abraham Avinu, who is a tremendous tzaddik, Abraham is going to be very insulted. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call it both. I'm going to conjugate Yirah and Shalem. And at first glance, this seems a little strange. We all, Baruch Hashem, are somewhat familiar with the personality of Abraham Avinu. And even a little bit with Malki Tzedek, very selfless, as he is going to provide food and drink for Abraham Avinu after he returns from freeing the captives of the four Mesopotamian kings. It's very difficult for us to imagine that either one really would have been insulted had HaKadosh Baruch Hu not called the name of the city after the other. Rather, it seems that what the Midrash is telling us is really that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, Harini Yerushalayim, that I need the values of both, that both are going to be very significant. I'm not willing to be Mavater. I'm not willing to relinquish or even to uh, disinclude one name at the cost of the other. Both are intrinsic and essential attributes of what Yerushalayim is going to stand for, for all of Am Yisrael. And therefore, let's begin with chronologically the first of the stories. Let's understand a little bit of the Malki Tzedek story. And what's interesting is that this, this isn't exclusively a Malki Tzedek story. It's actually another Abraham Avinu story. And it begins with uh, the backgrounds of four Mesopotamian kings who are going to engage in war with five kings of the southeastern area of Eretz Yisrael with Bera Melechstom. And even without knowing anything about this character, we already dislike him. Take a look at his name, Bera. He is literally an evil, and his compatriot, Birsha Melech almost as if the Torah is telling us, stay away from Ra and Rasha. These are negative characters. 
And not only are they negative in the sense of their names, but they actually abandon their people at a time of war so that they run away and all the inhabitants of their cities of Stomonamora are taken captive and they don't do anything to free them. It's Avram Avinu who hears that his nephew Lod is amongst the captives and he's going to take 318 men in the middle of the night and runs all the way to southern Syria. And that's where he's successful in restoring not only the property, but most importantly, the people of Stone. As he comes back then to the areas of Eretz Yisrael, in a very audacious manner, we see in Pasuk Yudayin, Vayetze Melech Stone Likrato. The king of Stone comes to meet Avraham Avinu after Avraham has been triumphant against Kedar Omer and the other kings. El Emek Shaveh Hu Emek HaMelech. He comes to this area of Emek Shaveh to a playing field, basically, a plain ground. Most people associate this with the areas of Derech near Ramat Rachel, an open area. He wants to make a public announcement, and in case we're not sure, this area is called Emek HaMelech. It's going to be on his terms. Umalki Tzedek, before we hear a continuation, the Torah basically is telling us that his foil character is none other than Malki Tzedek, and we like Malki Tzedek. From the very beginning, his name is the King of Justice, the King of a city called Shalem, called Perfect, called Completion, a city of peace. You don't get better than this. And what does Maki Tzedek do? He gives Avram Avinu food and beverage after Avram Avinu has been fighting the entire night. Perhaps most importantly, we're supposed to hear that he's a priest to the one God, that he's a monotheist like Avram Avinu. So Avram is going to engage here in someone who doesn't share exactly the same beliefs as he. He is a Canaanite king. Nonetheless, there definitely is a religious personality over here. And he blesses Avram Avinu and he says, I'm warning you, Melech Soma is about to propose an alliance with you. He's a warlord. He wants you to join his forces. But just remember, Avram, this isn't about you. You are blessed through your God, the one God who created Shamayim and Aretz. And blessed be that God who protected you against your enemies. Who exactly gave who a maser? But whatever the case is, here we see the selflessness of Malki Tzedek. We see exactly why Hashem is not willing to be mevater, is not willing to forego the name of Shalem, the name that Malki Tzedek afforded the city by virtue of the fact that he represents not just chesed, not just kindness, he represents justice. And in the meantime, we then hear the continuation in Paso Chavalef, Melech Stom continues, and as opposed to the very first word, which we hear by Malki Tzedek, Hoti Lechem V'yayin, Vayitain lo, he gives to Avram Avinu. The first word is Tain li hanefesh. Give me something. Give me the people. After all, I can't be a king without the people. And you can keep all the property. Avram automatically incorporates the religious ideal of Malkitadek. 
by stating, my hands go up to that one God. And therefore, he says, you keep everything. Here we see the first engagement, not only with Avram Avinu and Malkitzedek, but the first engagement, actually, of Avram Avinu with, uh, with Yerushalayim. The first time Avram comes to Yerushalayim is in this context of Shalem, is in the context of giving, is in the context of completion, and the context of peace, and the context of engaging with those outside of him. But now we continue with the next story of Avram Avinu, the next component of Yerushalayim, which is equally intrinsic, not just to the name, but to the place, to the values of Yerushalayim. And that's the second time and the only other time that we hear of Avram Avinu passing through Yerushalayim. And this in itself is interesting, knowing that Avram Avinu comes in from the northeastern Mesopotamian lands. He comes to the area of Shechem. That's where HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises him, There's revelation, there's theophany by the areas of Shechem. Avram builds a Mizbeach between Beit El and Ai, another religious experience. And then it seems that he goes straight down south, passes by Yerushalayim, no mention of Yerushalayim. Next thing we know, Avram is in Hebron, and Avram is in Be'er Sheva. But there are only two stories of Abraham in Yerushalayim. One is the Makitadek Melech Shalem story, a story of shalom, a story of peace, a story of social engagement. The next is the story of Yura. And this story of fearing God is going to be challenged by and immediately answers the famous words of Hineni. This is here I am. I am here at your service. Essential for us to understand a little bit of what God is commanding of Avram Avinu in context. He tells him, Lech lecha. I can imagine how those words resonate in Avram Avinu's mind. Avram is thinking, oh no, I did already. Last time, Hashem implored of Abraham to relinquish his entire past, to sacrifice his entire past for the sake of the future. This time, Hashem is asking him to relinquish his entire future for the sake of a big question mark. And again, with the same rhythm and meter of three. This time, take your son, your only son, the son that you love, Yitzchak, and bring him to the land of Moriah and bring him as a sacrifice on one of the mountains. Abraham responding with tremendous rizut, with alacrity. We're going to remember these terms as David is going to revisit them. Abraham wakes up early in the morning and he girds his donkey and he takes his two na'arim, his two attendants with him. And Yitzchak, and what is known in a biblical skill, as rikuz palim, as the concentration of verbs, Abraham Avinu, without thinking, almost on an automatic switch, is going to do what needs to be done because that's what Akadosh Baruch Hu has asked of him. By Yom Hashlishi, and we hear that three days pass. By Abraham and Abraham lifts up his eyes as he always does, searching for what Akadosh Baruch Hu may want from him, and he sees the place from afar, and he tells his Narim, "You're going to stay here. The Nar and I will continue." And Abraham takes the and almost like the crucified, carrying the crucifix, he puts it on Yitzchak Benom, and he takes the fire, and he takes the flesh-eating sword, and they walk together, and Yitzchak breaks the silence, and he turns to his father, I see the fire, and I see the wood. Where is the meat for the sacrifice? And Abraham answers, Elohim, Yer Elohasem. 
over and over. He says, not to worry. God will see the said. God will see. God will see. God has already decided what the said is going to be. And therefore, we're unsure. Does Yitzchak understand that he's the said? Is there another animal, perhaps, that lay in waiting? And that's not important, explains the Torah. What's important is to know that this is still a moment of harmony, ironically, between father and son. As Abram answers his son with the words, he's revisiting the same Hineni that he answered to HaKadosh Baruch I'm here for God, but I'm here for my son. And we're all feeling the Hegelian dialectic right now. How could he be here for God who told him to sacrifice his son? Well, he's here for his son. And we're waiting to hear what's the resolution. What is Avram going to choose? We don't have to wait long. Avram raises his hand to slaughter his son. Avram chooses God. And God says, actually, you don't have to choose. Now I see, in fact, that you fear God, that you listen to everything that God asks you to. And you were willing to not spare your son, your only son. Notice that the love is held in abeyance here. That son for me. But that's not it. The story could have ended here. But no, that's not the story that affords the name to this place of Eretz HaMoriah. Rather, the Torah continues. We hear the guttural sounds as this isle is caught in the thicket, in the terebinth. And Avram recognizes, you see, that's the seh. That's Elohim God has placed that said there. And that's when Abraham realizes, you see, this is a place Hashem Yireh. Hashem sees. I told you Hashem sees. Hashem selects, as Rashi explains over and over. Let's continue with Abraham's, we'll call it even the addendum, that even though a malach already stopped Abraham. Another malach comes in the schut of Abraham sacrificing the ayel. Understanding the ayel ola tachat beno in place of his son, Abraham channels or rechannels that energy of sacrifice. Not only are you going to still receive the promise of zera of children, and they're going to inherit this land and this land of Eretz Yisrael. The Ramban explains it's no longer just a covenant. Now it's an unconditional Brit. And now Abraham goes back to Be'er Sheva, the same place that was named after the Shavua that he made with Avimelech. Now he renames it basically. Now it also is going to carry the connotation of the Shavua that Hashem gave him, the Shavua, the oath of, an, of land and of children. And with this, we see, as Rashi points out, the the leading words of the story of the Akeda are these words of Yireh, Yireh, Yireh lo haseh, Hashem Yireh v'yivchar, Hashem Yireh, Hashem Yivchar, v'yireh tamakom hazeh, la'ashrot bo shechinato, la'kriv kan korbanot. Abraham already recognizes, if Hashem just wanted me to show my devotion, through sacrificing my son, then he could have asked me to do that in my backyard. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu bring me here to Eret HaMoriah? He understands. This is the place, Hashem Yireh. This is the place where Hashem wants us to come with devotion. And therefore, as a result, this is the place where Hashem Yireh. 
the place also where ultimately Hashem will be seen. The place where Hashem wants us to recognize. So uh, now, now as we continue our Yom Yerushalayim celebration, from the place of seeing the site, basically, Ava of David Hamelech. So now let's also has to make sacrifices. And not just any sacrifices, but first we hear of a horrific sacrifice of his son, of Shalom, who rebels against him. And yet during that story, we see that Abraham Avinu places, unfortunately, his love of his son over his love of the people. Yoav is the one to finally kill up Shalom, even though David asked that Avshalom not be killed. And Yoav tries to tell him, but David, and if we let the war go on, if Avshalom stays alive, then more people are going to be killed. Shmuel Allah Perak Tetzayin. We continue with the travails of David HaMelech. And we hear beautifully how Hashem firstly tells Shmuel Hanavi, we're going to begin with the selection of David and then progress to David's continuation of his sacrifices. Let's first take a look at how and why David is selected. Shmuel Hanavi, as we know, after witnessing the destruction of Shiloh by the hands of the Plishtim, Shmuel Hanavi starts looking for the Shechina in the area of Binyamin. After all, Nachalat Binyamin was promised by Moshe Rabbeinu, Shochein alav kol hayom shachin, that the Shechina is going to rest literally between the mountains of Binyamin. And therefore, like a wonderful Chabad rabbi, he goes every year between the eastern side of Nachalat Binyamin to Gilgal, and then to Betel in the north, and then to Mitzvah in the west. But Shmuel never makes it to Yushalayim until Perek Tetzayim. When Hashem tells Shmuel, How long are you still going to mourn over Shaul, who didn't properly fulfill my words when I asked him to wipe out Amalek? Go now instead, and you're going to anoint one of the children of Yishai. And Shmuel Hanabi makes his way south of Givat Shaul, afraid that he's going to see Shaul HaMelech, and makes his way past Yushalayim as he goes to Beit Lechem Yehuda. And when he's there, people ask him, what are you doing? I've come to sacrifice. And he comes to the house of Yishai, and he sees the oldest son, Eliav, who's tall, dark, and handsome. And Hashem says, no, 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 you don't know how to see. Don't look externally at his height, at his good looks, because I don't like those types, the Shoal types anymore. Ki Lo asher yireha dam. Don't look like man looks, Shmuel. You're supposed to be the ro'eh. You're supposed to know how to select properly. Ki ha'adam v'ashem Because man sees with his eyes, and God sees straight to the heart. And we're going to remember this terminology because if Yerushalayim is all about seeing properly, then it means seeing to the heart. And even though he also sees Avinadav, and even though he also meets Shama, he meets the seven sons of David HaMelech, of Yishai. Nonetheless, he says, Lo bachar Hashem be'ileh. Hashem is not choosing any one of your sons, Yishai. Is there anyone else? And he says, well, actually, there is a katan who's shepherding in the field. And Shmuel says, bring him here. He's very ready. But then the Navi feels that it's important to tell us that he has beautiful eyes. Are they blue? Are they hazel? Are they deep brown? We don't know. But what is being alluded to is the fact that he has beautiful eyes, that he sees well. It doesn't just have to mean that he's good looking. It also means tovroi, that he sees well. He knows how to see. He knows how to see like Hashem to the heart. He knows how to select. He understands what Avram did. Hashem yir'eh, 
He knows what you're going to need to do to see and to be seen by God. Hashem says, this is the one. Select him, the one who knows how to see well. And let's see how David's tribulations, how David's sacrifices basically revisit those of Avram Avinu. As we mentioned, he sacrifices not only Amnon, Avshalom, he sacrifices really a daughter, Tamar, but he doesn't necessarily sacrifice them because Hashem has said to. The first time that we hear of David actually revisiting the Akedah as commanded to him by God or by Anavi Hashem is going to be in Shmuel Bet, Perach of David. We hear by Yosef Hashem, Af Hashem, Lacharot be Israel, Vayaset et David, Bahem Lemor, Lech Menet Israel Bet Yehuda. God incited David basically to go and count the people. So David conducts a census all the way from Dan in the north to Be'er Sheva in the south. And he wants to know, I want to know how many people there are basically in my standing army. And Yoav tries to, to uh, deflect the king from uh, such, uh, such exposure and uh, from such, uh, such a census. He says, really, don't do this. He attempts to deter the king and says, we don't need to know. Believe me, I'm the general. We have a large army. Hashem should continue to bless the army. But David is insistent. And David is going to send out people from all over the land in order to hear how many militiamen are under his control. And as David David realizes as soon as the number comes in front of him, Yoav reports back to him, After nine months and 20 days, Yoav reports in Yerushalayim, There are 800,000 actual warriors, and in Yehuda, 500,000. And as soon as David hears this, he realizes what his problem was. He realizes the hubris that he felt, albeit for a moment, right after he counted the people. And David immediately turns to Hashem, I've sinned, please, please, can you overlook my sin? And just like Avram Avinu, David gets up in the morning, and even though David doesn't hear this directly from Hashem, David is going to hear from the Navi, The Navi first tells David, there are three choices that you have that are going to be your punishment. But you can choose. God comes to David and says, okay, do you want seven years of ra'av or three months of running away from your enemies or three days of dever? And on one hand, we're thinking, well, that's an easy one. Door number one, door number two, door number three is only three days. Of course, three days of a pandemic. But we all, having lived through a pandemic, know how fatal a pandemic can be. And that's exactly the point. Seven years of Rav, oh, we've had that before in Mitzrayim. And Yosef taught us how we can overcome with our, our mastery, with our planning, how we can overcome seven years of famine. 
and three months of fighting with enemies. David does this all the time. He knows how to overcome this. David realizes that what Hashem is trying to see is whether or not he's learned from his message, whether he's learned from his sin of ga'ava, whether he knows how to submit himself to the will of God. Okay, David, it's not about whether or not you can overcome famine or whether you can overcome your enemies. A plague, we all know, even after a, after a vaccine, even after four inoculations of a vaccine, we're still vulnerable. And therefore, Tell me, says God, which one of these pandemics, which one of these punishments? And David says to God, what we know from Tachnun, I understand the message. I will submit myself. I will sacrifice in the hands of God. At least let me be in the hands of the merciful God. So in fact, a pandemic is going to strike B'nai Israel from morning all the way for three days, Midan Ba'ad Be'er Sheva, 70,000 numbers that we relate to these days, 70,000 people die in three days. We know that term. The Malach then is going to have his hand stretch Yerushalayim to literally kill and destroy the people of Yerushalayim. But then, hold your hand back. And where was this? The Malach is told to stop when he reaches the threshing floor of Arabna the Jebusite. And David, upon seeing the Malach, says, He realizes that the Malach is upon imminent destruction of the people of Yerushalayim. The Malach is about to destroy the people closest to David, his militia, his government, and his family. He realizes that now Yerushalayim, the capital city, is going to be destroyed. By Yomer, he says, Hashem, but it was me. What did the flock do? You know what, Hashem? I'm willing now. What I wasn't willing to do before. I wasn't willing to sacrifice my son of Shalom, even at the cost of the lives of the people. But now, Hashem, David says, Please, kill me, kill my family, kill my children, so that other children don't have to be killed, so that the rest of Am Yisrael can stay alive. And God comes to David at that point and says, okay, go. Take a look at these words. Get up and build a mezbah on the threshing floor of Aravna, the Jebusite. And notice that he doesn't tell David what to bring as a sacrifice, because it seems that it's very clear what David is going to bring as a sacrifice. Bring your children as a sacrifice. You just said you're willing to sacrifice your family, so bring your family as a sacrifice. And we can prove it from the parallel story in Zerei HaYamim, when David asked the same thing, please Hashem, kill me, kill Beit Avi Uramchan Lola Magifa, don't kill the rest of the nation. And David goes up, and Aravna, the Jebusite, a non-Jew, sees the Malach also. And he sees the Arba'at Banav Imo Mitchabim. He sees David comes up with four sons who are hiding. And of course they're hiding. Because what do they know? 
that they're gonna, going to be the Sela Ola, that David is willing to sacrifice them to save the rest of the people. That David has learned that sometimes Hashem wants us to sacrifice our children. Anna, Arnan, Dashchitim, Aravna is in the middle of threshing. And David comes and Aravna sees by Yar David, by Yitim and Agorim, by Shachabuli David, Apayim Arza. Aravna, like Malkitzedek, comes to greet David in the same place where Malkitzedek came to greet Abraham. By Yomri David, Allah Aravna, Tsnami Makom Hagorim, Devna, Bimazbeach. He says, Look, I have to build a Mizbeach. Lahashem, I want to purchase it entirely so that the Magifa will stop. And I have not told David, you know what? Take it, just take it. And you know what, David? Don't just take the place. Let's try this. Before you sacrifice your children, I know you're willing to sacrifice your children, but first, first try, try bringing up Bakar as an Ola. I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the barbecue equipment that you need for the Itzim and the Chitim for a Mincha. Everything that you need for a flower offering, hakol natati. And David says, okay, I'll try it. But only if kano ekne of male, only if I can purchase it. Kilo esasher lachal Hashem, valoto lachinam, because I have to sacrifice something. And if it's not going to be my children, then let me show Hashem how submissive to Hashem I am. And he gives him 600 golden coins, even though in Sefer Shmuel we hear 50, Rashi explains 50 for each tribe. Hashem, please let this be a kapara. Let this be the ayala ula tachat benenu. Please, Hashem, can the magifa stop? And just as a malach appeared to Avram Avinu in the same exact place where Avram was willing to sacrifice his son, so too. Hashem told the Malach, stop, stop, no more killing. And Hashem comes with a beautiful theophany. Revisited in almost the exact same terminology. Enough, no more killing. And you should know that there are other places that people are still worshiping, that they're still searching for the Shekhinah. Where does Hashem want the Shekhinah ultimately to rest? Is it in a Bama in Givon? Is it in Gilgal? Is it in Betel? Is it Mitzbe? And David realizes that this is the place that he's been seeking for. This is the place of the revelation of the Shekhinah. David HaMelech is to revisit not just the same place as Akedat Yitzchak. He's able to revisit Avram Avinu. He's able to revisit exactly what Avram said. Avram realized this is the place. Now I understand. God didn't tell me to sacrifice my son in my backyard because God wants us, not just me. God wants my children to come here. There's something about this area of Yerushalayim HaKodesh. This is Har Hashem Yireh. This is where Hashem will always see how devoted we are, how we're willing to send our children off to the army to save the rest of Am Yisrael, how willing we are to fight battles in 48 and 67, and even now, to, to protect ourselves from Aza, from Lebanon. Hashem is waiting to see how devoted we are. And this is the place where Hashem where ultimately Hashem will be seen. And both the story of David HaMelech and Akitas Yitzchak, someone builds an altar and sacrifices a burnt offering 
Abraham built the altar there. Laban, Abraham the Tamizvech, and David built an altar there with almost the exact same terminology, offering Olot and Shlamim. In both stories, it's God who chooses the site of the altar. Hashem sent Abraham to Eretz Moriah, and God, the Navi of Hashem, told David to go to uh, the threshing floor of Aravna. In both stories, emphasis is placed on an early rising in the morning. Abraham, Abraham, David, In both stories, an angel of God is involved in preventing the expected continuation. It's the angel himself who stops Abraham. And by David HaMelech, the angel stretched out his hand to kill, and then Hashem said, enough, stay with your hand. More similar wording. Again, the Ola terminology over and over again. And not only does the story end with the Magifa stopping, with the pandemic being put to an end, but it actually ends with David recognizing Zehu Beit Hashem, David who's chosen because he knows how to see well. David who's chosen with the words of Shmuel, Zehu, he's the one. He's the one who will know how to see. He's the one who will know how to select. He's the one like Abraham who knows Hashem Yireh, who knows and is so sensitive to seeing. So he, like Abraham, will once again select Zehu Beit Hashem Alokim, Vezemizbeach Le'olali Yisrael. That's Yerushalayim, a place that Abraham realizes. is a place where we must express our devotion to Hashem, where David meets Abraham at exactly the same place and realizes this is a place of building a bayit. But both of them also have to engage with other people in Yerushalayim. Abraham Avinu has to learn from Malkit Tzedek. Don't make an alliances, alliances with warlords. He learns from Malkit Tzedek, kill Elyon, Konesh, Amayim, Ba'aretz. And David learns from Arav Na'yibusi, what it means also to engage and what it means also to build then a bayit, not only in a place of Yirah, but in a place of Shalom. And David still has to fight wars. And David still has to counter other nations. And therefore, he's told, based on Debrei Hayamim, that he'll have a son, Ki Shlomo Yeshimo, Bishalom Bashekat Eitain al Yisrael Biyamav. And he'll be the one to engage with Makitadek Melech Shalim. He'll be the one to complement Yushalayim with the value of peace. He'll be the one ultimately who uh, will bring other nations from all over the world to recognize the establishment of Shem Hashem. And therefore, what we see from the stories of sacrifice is that Yushalayim reminds us of what it means to engage with others, but ultimately, what it means to engage with Yira. The Yushalayim of Avram Avinu and of David HaMelech is a part of our misora and part of our misirut, part of our devotion and commitment till today, part of what serves as the perfect prelude for Chag HaShavuot. As we hear that, even when it came time for the giving of the Torah, the Sinai Mehechan Ba, Rabbi Yossi says, Hashem says, no, no, no. You have to learn that you can't accept the Torah without a little bit of Har HaMoriah, of Avram Avinu. I'm going to take a little bit of the place where Avram was willing to sacrifice Yitzchak, and I'm going to put it on Har HaMoriah before you accept the Torah. So that when you excitedly say, Nasa you also realize that Torah is given with an Akidah. That Torah demands sacrifice. And one day, I'm going to bring it back to Har HaMoriah. 
and teach David too, that if you really want Eretz Yisrael, if you really want Am Yisrael to survive, then it's a man's sacrifice. And therefore, in modern day times, we constantly revisit the Yerushalayim of Avraham and, his, and of David HaMelech. We revisit Akitas Yitzchak, Bahar Hashem Yir'eh. Naomi Shemer beautifully composed Hannah a song of the Akitas Yitzchak of Yerushalayim. One that still resounds in our hearts and minds and reminds us today when we celebrate Har Hashem Yir'eh and Har Hashem Yira'eh, that it comes with various akidot, that it comes from bindings, bindings of our children, as we send them off to devote their lives on behalf of Am Yisrael. And there isn't always a malach to say, Al teshlach yadcha el hanar. Rather, kach pincha et yichitcha asher hafta, kach et yitchak, baleo la'ola l'chad harim, b'makom asher omari l'cha. And it may literally be Yerushalayim that we sacrifice for, or maybe any other place, somewhere in the land. And his name may be Yitzchak, his name may be Moshe, his name may be any of our children. We each, when we send our children, to the army, we say, Hashem, please let it not be the Na'ar. El Hanar Yatchal Tishlach Hashem, Al Tishlach Yatchal Hanar. Please, like David said about Avshalom, please, Hashem, we wish that we wouldn't have to sacrifice. Gam, Im Sheva Nechye, Vinaskin, Lonishkach, Kihunaf Hasakin. We'll never forget that there were plenty of sons that actually went under the knife. Lonishkach Epencha. I won't forget, forget the son of my neighbor. I won't forget the sons of all the mothers of Israel, for whom they were all. Yechitcha asher ahavnu, lo et Yitzchak. Yom Yerushalayim, a day of celebration, reminds us that it comes together with sacrifice. Abraham and David meet in the same place to remind us what it means to devote ourselves to a life where we give for Am Yisrael, for Eretz Yisrael, and for Torah Yisrael. And therefore, the Gemara Mesech Mako tells us in the name of Yeshua ben Levi, Shira Ma'alot L'David that we recite today, Samachti Bomrimli Beit Hashem Neleich. We're excited not just to go, but excited to go together. We're excited, We're excited when our feet are literally stuck in the gates of Yerushalayim because there is so much traffic from every place. Gana, for those of you watching the Rikud Galim right now, live from from Eretz Yisrael. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You cannot move today in Yerushalayim. So David says, I'll tell you what I'm most happy about. I'm most happy when I hear people say, they're happy when I'm happy, when they say, we can't wait for David to die so that we can finally build a Beis HaMikdash and go to the Beis HaMikdash. David says, I'm so excited that they're just as excited as I am to build the Beis HaMikdash. Hashem says, no, no. Every day should be Yom Yerushalayim. Every day. Hashem says, I'm happy to see you don't always have to offer karbonos. More than a thousand olot that Shlomo is going to sacrifice on the Mizbeach in Givon and in Yerushalayim. I would like to have one day of saying how committed you are, David, to Torah. One day of Torah. David understands, and that's why we celebrate David now on Yom Yerushalayim 
as we celebrate Avram Avinu. And we celebrate David, whose birthday and yard site, as we know, we're on Shavuot exactly a week from now. As Aknon says, when we walk the streets of Yerushalayim and we go visit the Kever of David on Shavuot, he says, no matter how hot it is, no matter how difficult it is to go, all you have to do is take the Kinor of David, take his harp, and start singing Mizmorei Tehillim. And that will sweeten the entire path. And even if you don't know any Mizmor, even if you don't remember any of them by heart, he says, I know that if I open up my mouth, all the Mizmorim will come together and will form their own Nigun. The message of Yom Yerushalayim is to go back to the stories of Yeran Shalim, to go back to the stories of Hashem Yer'eh, of knowing that Hashem is waiting. He's just waiting to see our devotion. And Baruch Hashem, time and time again, Hashem saves Abraham. Hashem saves David. Hashem puts an end to the pandemic. But Hashem is waiting to see how devoted we are to Torah and to mitzvot. And then Hashem will be seen. Hashem is waiting to see how are we going to interact with are we going to be like Malkit Tzedek Melech Shalem and engage and give, and give? Are we going to be able to be devoted to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as our Ravnaha Hayivusi, the Jebusite, just like the Knanite, Malkit Tzedek, both of them in the same city, in the same place, willing to give, to contribute to the Avodat Hashem of Abraham and, and that of David. What Yerushalayim is meant to teach us as we revisit stories of Akedah it's to devote ourselves day in and day out. When Hashem sees our Yirat Hashem, then Hashem will also be seen to us. And that's what we await as we continue to see the unfolding of miracles.